Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. My name's Michelle Walker, and I'm here today with Liz Ackley from the UK. Hi, Liz. Hi, uh, Michelle. Good to be here. Liz is a contemporary mixed media abstract artist based in northwest of the UK. Landscape and place are her areas of exploration. In addition to creating art, she also teaches workshops and her two online courses, Make Your Mark and Your Sketchbook Journey, can be found online and there'll be links in the show notes for those. Thanks for joining me today, Liz. You're welcome. It's good to be here. We're having a conversation that's really tying off an initial interaction we had on social media, and that was around a quote that you posted by Suzanne, the most seductive thing about art is the personality of the artist himself. I know you and I started talking about this inquiry that we're doing into ourselves as our artist identity. Tell me a few thoughts that you've got about where you're at with that question place and sense of place and what is it that makes places as they are has been a a driving question for me through at least through the last few years and I think that's driven by a lot of things really to do with my background my interest in landscape my interest in what makes things as they are and I think that's one of those core kind of questions for me what is it that makes things as they are and it's a huge one so then of course you break that down into you know what is it that that drives those places in a way that's really what's driven the last exhibition I had which was landscape inside out it was all about my local area my local places the moors the panoramic views the woodland what was it for me that made them as they are And that was fantastic to be able to see some of that work, Liz, through social media, because you and I obviously live in different parts of the globe. And I think for me, like you, you and I have connected around the whole topic of place and landscape. That's part of both our artworks and probably why we we sort of watch each other and what we're doing via social media. I think if people are listening and are thinking about this question of your creative identity, so what is my creative identity as an artist? And I think that's a very fundamental question, as you said. And like you alluded to, we need to look backwards into our lives, don't we? And I love this idea of our basket of loves and interests and likes and dislikes actually are dots that form a line that make up the artist that we are. And so it can be a really useful activity beyond just general thinking, but actually sitting down and capturing some of those core things. So you mentioned landscape architecture to me before we jumped on. You've had some careers that really relate to your artwork. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, going back to what you said about, you know, jotting things down and we all have that core bag of things that are about us. I think I I was one of these people that because I moved careers, I would just move on and not look back, purposely not look back. And I can't really understand why I explain that fully, apart from the fact that the more I did that, the more I was aware I was doing it to the point in my art it became quite different. I wanted to look back and bring those things forward. I suppose Mm -hmm. there's a realisation. And I guess I I always captured that. And I write it in my book quite frequently, All That You Can't Leave Behind, which I think is a U2 song. It's All You Can't Leave Behind. And I think that has been something that's been quite useful for me. You move on to different things. 
there is this need to sort of just be aware of what is it that is that common thread? What are those things that you're interested in that you'll bring forward? And bizarrely, for quite a while in my art career, when I first started, my introduction into art really was through illustration. I would not draw ever the landscape. I would not want to do it. I would keep away from it. And it was almost like I didn't feel that I was either ready or knew what to say. And it was only through actually physically being in a landscape one day and saying to myself, look, this is what you love. Mm. And I thought it was too untouchable until I started reframing it and asking myself, what is it that you love? Why do you love it? What is it that drives you? Is it the landscape? And I think actually that has then got me into thinking one of my core concepts is really about connection and connection actually with my past. And as a young person, a child even, I was actually quite a loner and it was the landscape that I turned to and it was the landscape that nurtured me and that I felt safe within and connected to. And it's that really that I think has driven all of the subsequent things and why now I'm interested in in places what makes them as they are Mm. and it's again that it's not just their identity it's my identity their identity and so on that's just you know how it's kind of happened so originally I was research scientist it's all about what makes things as they are why do things happen the way they do Uh, well originally I was a biochemist then I became a microbiologist and then I was a researcher and then subsequently changed to landscape design But again, as a scientist, it was zooming in, zooming out, literally. I was a microbiologist. I would zoom in with the microscope. My work now, one of my core sort of ideas, things that I'm really interested in, is actually the big picture, finer details. How do you bring that together? There's no surprises that where that comes from is, you know, (laughs) it's kind of funny in a way, isn't it? It's so interesting, Liz, that you talk about your many careers, because I feel like I've had about seven full-blown careers in my life. And I think one of the things that I was concerned about when I was younger was that I was flip-flopping around. But what I've discovered is it's all those dots that we were just talking about that make up the line that is our life. And You know, I did a science degree, which had a lot of microbiology and biochemistry, but I never went to the lab. I ended up taking a job as a photographic assistant for a full-time photographer and then moved to London. As we were chatting, I spent some time in the UK working in film and television and then changed careers again and came back and worked for national parks and in environment. And I think what I've done is discovered two major aspects of my interests. One is my love of the natural world and the other is creativity. And once I got clear about all those other things fit in underneath those headings and I just think it's been a bit of a relief to discover that I'm not this flaky human that just randomly runs through multiple careers. But we do have these things that really interest us at different times in our lives as well. So there is time as well as interest that I think can be really valuable. I think that's so true. I mean, what you say, in a way, there's a big overlap because landscape, nature, the outside world versus creativity are Probably the things that have driven, I mean, I didn't ever label my landscape, my art as, well, I kind of did, you know, it's all about that creative side to us, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's redressing the balance. If we are people that are multifaceted in that way, 
And that's presumably why both of us sought out those other careers rather than that we just want to top around doing different things randomly. I think there isn't a randomness to it, really. I mean, it's just no. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you look back. But people did say to me, what, you were a researcher and then you became a landscape designer. How does that work? Yeah. And yeah. my answer was always a stock answer. And that answer was, I was looking down the microscope and instead of actually wanting to ask the scientific questions, I was looking at their spatial orientation and everything that was aesthetic and design orientated about these things. And that wasn't what the career was. So I changed to something which was more about that. And I'm not sure that that ever really satisfied them. I think they just kind of looked at me like I was a bit mad. But <laughs> I have discovered many other folk like us who have an art nature science background. And I think that's recognising that as a core part of who we are as artists and whatever the yeah. story is for listeners, whatever it is that drives them. So let's dive into this idea that we've got core interests and riffing off our backgrounds and things that we've learnt and things that we want to explore, what have been some of the core intentions for your art? Let's hear a bit about that, Liz. Well, if I sort of focus to make it clear for people, last year I think I mentioned about the Landscape Inside Out body of work, which culminated in it, which resulted in an exhibition. There I was really trying to unpick this very broad idea of place and what is it that makes places as they are. And I think one of the things that was really important to me in that work was this idea of the language of the landscape. And I focus in when I talk about language in different ways, but one of the things was that language of line, mm. the meandering lines, the big stocky lines, the lines that can be some physical element or the lines that are part physical, but part give you that kind of language through the lyrical nature of the landscape. So oftentimes I was looking at landscapes that were big panoramics, but there were these sort of like the lines of the fences meandering off into the distance, the lines of the barbed wire, the lines that were formed just really from the edges of things. So line is actually something that's quite fundamental to me. And the reason that I focused on that as a sort of an example of one of my core things is because at first, when I started painting, I didn't have any line work. Any, I took those marks away for some reason. And I, it took me ages to work out why is this not reflecting my feel of this place? And it was because the lines had gone. And I'm not talking about lines where you you sort of like do a line around something that, that exists as an entity already as a shape. I'm talking about lines for line's sake. Mm. Um, and that part of the language for me is, is the line work. And I practice it, I draw it, I paint it, I use different tools for it. So that's one of the core aspects of me because that is, it's a very practical thing in a way. It's not a concept like connection or energy, but it is something that, is important in my work. And I know it's important in my work because when my work doesn't have it, it's not complete. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's probably true maybe for a lot of us. I think part of the writing and text that I incorporate in terms of collage is very important and it's possibly part of that line work. That's something that needs to be explored again. It's that narrative. So, but I think it's kind of connected into that whole line. Mm. idea and the language 
so many thoughts that I've had listening to your response because for me, one of the pivotal moments in my career a couple of years ago was recognising, and I'd been mucking around with painting, mostly in acrylics with some collage, for maybe five or six years without a lot of focus on it. And what happened for me was actually recognising a Shazam moment where I went, abstract painting with my environmental background equals abstract landscapes that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it was really interesting how at home that concept felt. You know, the, sometimes I avoid labels, but this particular time the label felt really right. And that was, I guess, a, a no-brainer. Probably someone from the outside would have would have recognised it for me a long time yeah. before. Yeah. But this idea of being in process and making art and I'd sort of I'd started out using my painting was really a coaching tool when I first got into it about 10 years ago and so I could run women's retreats and I could use painting and help women engage with their own selves and their own personal development through a creative pursuit and canvas and paints was very easy to do but it wasn't my thing and some of that was you know the the Buddha face and the goddess painting and the energy painting. And I was okay with that, but I wasn't as turned on as I was when I realized what I really wanted to do was this thing called abstract landscapes. And, And the sort of experience that I've had, like you, for me, a meandering line is often in my work. And part of what I think is been a recognition of my identity is I bring an environmental planner's background and so I see the world from a perspective of a bird flying over the land rather than sitting in the land looking out at a horizon so you never see horizon in my work it's an absent feature and I think of myself more as a an eagle flying around so I see the traversing of the roads and the river lines and the creeks and people's footprint on the land is very much that perspective difference and that was part of the recognition that I had that that's why I saw the land that way was because of my background in planning and seeing the world as maps. That's so interesting for me. Similarly, I'm I'm never painting a view and my take on that is slightly different, but maybe coming from the direction of me as a designer rather than maybe as you as a planner. When I am experiencing the landscape, my paintings are really about my feelings for the place. And when I'm experiencing the landscape, I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm looking this way, I'm looking that. I'm feeling things with all the different sort of senses. And so I'm trying to capture that. So that's never going to be a single view because that's not how I see it. I never just look out at a flat view. And so my whole work outside is around trying to collect all those influences. I've no idea how they're going to turn out on a canvas, but to bring those back and then I kind of unravel them in a more of an intuitive process. I don't know what the end result is, but I know when I get there. And so in a way that brings me to non-representational work. I never sort of, it's again, this thing of labels and whether that's helpful or not. I think it can be helpful, but sometimes I don't necessarily call myself an abstract artist, although inevitably I probably am more abstract than I am representational. But because I never know what pendulum swing is, 
whether I'm going to be maybe a little bit less abstract in one set of work and a little bit more in others. I suppose that's because I don't want to put myself into a small box. Yeah. And I don't want to kind of prevent myself from getting out of that sort of place that I've made into. But maybe that's, you know, not very helpful. I don't know. It's just the way I'm thinking about it at the moment. So yeah. although on my core, you know, reasons for my work is about wanting to reflect an abstraction, it could be semi-abstract. It might be, you know, it's more about what my work is about than labeling it, if you know what I mean. It's about mm. my feelings of those places that are driven by those sensory experiences. So I could never create my work unless I spend a lot of time with my subject matter because my core values is also about the energy of those places. And if you don't go to those places and spend a lot of time there, you can't hope to know what or feel the energy. I want to just circle back around because I want to talk about this idea of core intentions, which is something that drives us as artists for maybe years, maybe decades. And then there might be more detailed project or work-based intentions. And I just want to acknowledge that that concept and distinction came to me from Jerry McLaughlin and Rebecca Crowell, because I'm part of their Colbax Academy, which I really enjoy. Yeah. And that concept, so I'm going to put a link to a really good podcast episode from The Messy Studio, which is Rebecca's podcast, talking about core intentions, which was episode 167. And I, I think that people, if they're interested in this topic, might want to listen to Rebecca's words specifically. But let me just give you an excerpt. She talks about knowing what's most meaningful to you in your work and applying that knowledge in a flexible way is key. Your intentions, if broad enough, allow for unfolding interpretations over time. And I feel like when I first encountered this idea of core intentions, I felt a bit restricted. The more I have explored it, the more useful and the more valuable structurally it has provided me in terms of my artwork and right down yeah. to my identity. You've got some thoughts about this. Do you want to comment on, on this, Liz? I think what I would say is that inevitably those core intentions may evolve and change quite a lot they then might become more kind of consistent the more we, we do but then for our particular groups of work that we might do if we're working for example on a group of paintings a series for example I'm doing some at the moment which I'm calling my wild flora series they are necessarily focused in what I would say is I don't think we should try and overly prescribe our work so we might sort of be wandering for a while in our in a series of work I don't think it necessarily is important to say right well which core concept does this belong to oh is that slightly different or does this you know I think no not at all and I don't think that's really what's being suggested we need to kind of let ourselves breathe yeah I think it's actually the no, golden I thread but I like I look at what That's I've done right. in the last six months and I went from some very abstract landscape work of yeah. post-flood, which I called, you know, yeah. my flooded country, and then I actually grabbed some maps of town centres that flooded that really meant something to me in my local area and they were much more, you could actually recognise the maps of what towns they were. So they were a little bit more representational and now I've just gone the other direction and I feel that, 
what this gives us permission to do if we sit and think about it is it all comes back to something that interests us. The way that we take it out into the world, I think we are allowed to give ourselves permission to vary radically from one project to the next. And this can cause some artists anxiety, can I say? I think this can be a bit of a, a concern. And I, I'll give you a quick example. Some of my core intentions for my artwork is all around connection to land and nature. So you and I have that, yeah. some of these in common. Yeah. Yeah. I want to always talk about the value and the beauty found in the natural world, the importance of nature to us as human in our human experience, but also my concern about the human impacts on the land. Coming from an environmental impact kind of mm -hmm. background, it's really been relevant. But also that layered on that, because that's what I'm just about to talk to, is some of their process things. So you and I have collage in common. We have use of text in common. We also take both structured and unstructured approaches. I feel like for me, collage and layers of paint is really reflective of life's experience. And yeah, and I think we, that's true for a lot yeah, of us. We've had we've had many, many careers. That's also relevant. I also like the idea of our handwritten word being in our artwork is another fingerprint of us as an artist and I've questioned this idea of you know what does that mean in terms of what the text is imparting into the work and I think that is another part of our identity be it our own text or other text but I must admit that my own text is becoming more dominant and other text is becoming less dominant and what so, that, totally. you know, means. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that becomes, you know, then there's the question of why is that? Well, I think that's because you're, you're finding your own voice and it's kind of happening in a literal way. But getting back to what you said about was there things I wanted to say about core versus, you know, maybe more specific intentions associated with a project. I'll give you an example. Last year, I was working on this big body of work and I wanted to reflect the seasons in my work. And so I went out and monthly I did this mark making on a particular location and I recorded it and I created sketchbooks. Now, that is something that is one of my kind of core sort of strands is really about the, as I said to you, the, the seasons, the changes that happen as a result of the seasons. Now, in my current work, again, I'm coming back to that idea of the seasonality. And although in this current work, I'm interested in only one time point, I'm now finding that that body of work is about the autumn in this case, because it's particularly dramatic. And I can say a lot about the language of that landscape at that time of year. But I'm now thinking, oh, actually, Seasonally, I need to capture this because I want to know and possibly I want to even paint in the future how that changes, because that's part of the identity of that landscape. Like you, I'm wanting to reflect the beauty and the wonder of nature and, and that land, but I'm also wanting to share the changes and the evolution of that landscape within a season. And, you know, people will respond to that differently. You know, I found that in my exhibition, people were loving certain paintings possibly because of what the seasons that they reflected meant to them. So it's that whole thing of how does that landscape identity work? But can you see that I'm looking at it as one of my core concepts, changes in evolution of land versus on my specific project, 
I'm looking at it in a more intense way. And that might then bring in other aspects of what I'm interested in. It might bring it probably, well, it does definitely bring in colour, obviously in the autumn and colour. But then the lines, again, they change, they evolve through the seasons. Mm-hmm. So there are these connections between the big pot of core concepts and then the more detailed intentions. And I think you're absolutely right. There's that golden thread, isn't there? And I think the good thing about having these not necessarily written down, but quite often they're written down. I write them down. I have mind maps and all sorts. Having them written down prompts that thinking process and the questioning, which I think is really important as part of our artist identity about why, why are we doing that? What is it that, you know, note the idea of noticing what you notice, mm. uh, which I think is really important for us as artists, as individuals, as we develop our identity and our work. And that's something I think which is, um, you know, if, if people only remember one thing from what we've discussed, this idea of why and notice what I notice and, you know, trying to make those connections, however you do it and feel comfortable doing it, whether in written form or otherwise, is, is really valuable. And one of the things I just wanted to mention about my series-based work, my project work, not the bigger picture, but the actual specifics, like my wild flora or whatever the subject is, I have this thing where I actually, it's, it's part of how, probably who I am as a scientist and an artist and this idea of making sure that you're kind of not missing things. So I have this thing when I've been exploring a subject, if I give the example of wild flora, I went out, I did many drawings, I did mark making, I did different types of drawings, I used different media, brought them all back to the studio. And then I am writing my 50, what is it about that that is so enthralling and interesting in that subject? So I end up with a massive list. And then I categorize the list to make it easier. And then I reduce the list and I end up with 10 key statements that I then have hovering that I use for exploration because I find it helps me unpick the subject matter. And it's, again, something about what is it that I want to get across in my work. It's about those intentions, isn't it? So is that something you then take into the next iteration of the work, whether you go from sketches in the landscape back home to the studio and then work on the larger scale works? Those 10 statements are what part of the inspiration. Yeah, fantastic. I'm very aware that I don't want to force fit because as a scientist, we always, you know, that that's a tricky one. We want, I want to keep in my intuitive mind when I'm painting so I just have them and then I sometimes reflect on them and say well are these actually coming into the work if they are well that's interesting so I try and I try and have them in a kind of a I I don't want them to be the critical driver of the work because that could be a bit of a red herring I just want to be aware of them if you know what I mean yeah Um, yeah so journaling is a core part of your art practice and your studio work it is. And I think that wasn't always the case. No, um, it hasn't I've been for me either. But it's yeah. becoming more so. It's interesting. I think the more that you do it, the more you see that it has a role to play. Mm. And sometimes I think I can personally get quite caught up in my own head, um, especially when I'm getting into the grips of a, of a series of work that I'm painting. And all of a sudden I'm where am I? What is this about? I don't know. I, you know, you get a little bit lost in it. 
And I think the journaling can help the navigation through what can be quite challenging aspects of painting. You know, when you get into that, what we call the, the, the mucky middle, the, the, the messy middle, the kind of not at the big woohoo of the beginning, and you're not towards the end, you're in that kind of, in a way, quite a challenging stage. And I find that by having some sense of writing and journaling, or it can be a mind map, or it can be just, you know, jotting words down. It doesn't have to be long epistles. I find that quite useful. And, you know, I, I guess a lot of us do. I find it useful for pre-thinking work. So I use it as a way of capturing, coming into a new body of work, what sort of things are up for me, what marks, what colours, what palette. I also try and capture the palette as I develop it because so often I've used a whole lot of colours and then I'm past it and I haven't really jotted down what, what mixes I've used. So I find that, so it's not just journaling in words, but journaling in the sort of studio note sense. I love that that you've got these phases. I don't feel like I'm nearly as structured as you, but I do have some repeating things and I'm starting to really enjoy, you know, this is probably right down at the end of the mark making slash artist voice, you know, in terms yeah. of things that I find really recur again and again in my work. And the hatch mark is one of mine. And this is, yeah. you know, the counting, the passing of time, the idea of making a mark in its very fundamental sense has been in my work for probably a year and it's yeah. they're not looking like going away. So there's, you know, we talked before about the line, right? The beginning of the conversation, there's these things that I think it's really good to, as you say, notice what we're noticing and stop long enough to notice what you're not noticing. And I yeah. feel that we can be in process. We go into the studio, we whack on the, yes. the apron and, and crack out the paints and we're into it. And that dance between doing and and stillness and observing, while we obviously do it for an individual work, while we're trying to complete it, we're trying to see what the work needs. But I find there's many layers at which we need to do that and stop and think and just on the, the sort of, you talked before about mind maps and so forth and exploring our, our history. Some of the really illuminating things that I've done only a couple of times in my art career is stop and really excavate what are the yeah. things that have influenced me, what are the artists that inspire me, what are the colour palettes, what are the, yeah. you know, right down to the marks, etc. And I think having thought deeply about that, it actually is really reinforcing for not constraining in any way, but just acknowledging that, oh, yeah, that's me. I can look at that inspiration board or I can look at that influences board and really see myself like a mirror in there. Yeah. And I'm picking up on that, actually, because I have a, a mood board in my studio and I think it's really important to look at that on a regular basis I mean inevitably I do because mine's my my work desk but to see what's changed to add things to take away it's a bit like a compost heap you're constantly (laughs) refining and evolving it you know and adding you know things or maybe taking things away that aren't as important anymore or don't feel as important I mean not removing them completely because you might put them on one side and find that they come back but you know it's kind of a an evolutionary sort of process I mean picking up Michelle on what you were saying when I was talking journaling I was being I was thinking very specifically 
specifically about writing about my work, but in reality, I do all of those things. I, um, I, I look at different other people's different work. I might cut things that mean something to me in, and put it into my journal. I write about those, why they're important. Color palette, I actually have a whole list of when I'm doing my work, I write a list of descriptions of the colors mm. when I'm out and then I try and create those. And then I paint little swatches and have those stuck in. And then I evolve it as I develop the work. So it's a kind of a whole range of, of types of journaling I do. And that's that such is a not rich painting. It's such a rich resource for us going forward. And every time you do that, you're actually leaving a legacy for your future artist self. I think that that's really key. All right. I feel like we probably need to wrap this up. This is something we could talk about for a month. But (laughs) um, what's come out is your comments about your journaling, the writing, but also both of us doing a lot of studio note taking and a studio sketchbooks to capture all sorts of things, word image palettes. So if people aren't doing that, they might want to try and explore that for themselves in their art. I think stopping and really doing a deep dive, something that might take you a couple of hours and searching on the web and gathering images and words and other examples of artwork that really inspire you, that can be fantastic, as well as examples of your own work that you're incredibly proud of. And I feel those sorts of boards can be really useful in our studio, as we talked about. One thing I do want to mention in the wrap, which we have only just touched on tangentially, but I think it's really good cautionary moment, is be careful how much other artwork you regularly consume by artists. Because to be our own true selves, we've got to allow ourselves to just steep in the vocabulary that's of interest to us and do it through our hands. Doing stuff through our eyes, I think, has a time and place. But really over-consuming, whether it's Instagram, Pinterest of other artists, that can be incredibly confusing for some artists and especially people who are starting out. And they often go there in pursuit of the answer of what is my style? And I would just caution you if you're in that place in your art journey right now, pair it back. And the way that you will learn your style is through your hands and through your eyes and through the doing. So I feel like that's some of the key things that have filtered up through our conversation, obviously talked about core intentions. We've talked about project intentions. Any other final reflections from you, Liz, about this whole idea of identity that you'd like to just maybe to emphasize something that you've already mentioned? I think, you know, just a word of caution, we don't, you know, it depends on where people are at in their art journey. But I think sometimes as this doing a deep dive, and I think that's, that can be really useful. But I also think be recognizing that there might be some very specific smaller things that you might want to do that might be um, different to your core concepts. You know, you might be at a stage of wanting to explore a different media. And it doesn't mean to say you can't do that. So I do think that there's a, you know, there's the big picture and then there are small details. And I think there's this idea of, you know, small bite-sized chunks of things rather than feeling like you've got to do it all at once I just don't get into overwhelm about it you know sort of just try and 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 keep a little bit focused as well if you can uh, on your daily things so that you don't sort of go into this sort of overwhelm yeah I agree and I don't 
suggest for a minute that some of those explorations happen very often, but I think at key points yeah. in our journey, they're really valuable. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think that you're right. We just take it step by step and really look and notice what we're doing and notice what we're what we're enjoying and that becomes the fodder for the next work and then at key times we stop and reflect back so I think that this is a very intriguing conversation and an intriguing topic that I don't have any set answers for but I've really enjoyed talking to you about your thoughts Liz. Yeah and you too it's been really interesting. So folks, thanks very much. If you're listening, I'm going to have in the show notes how you can contact Liz and get in touch with her and follow her and connect with her and the links that we've spoken about for other artists and, for example, Rebecca Crowell's beautiful The Messy Studio podcast. I'll have those in the show notes. And as always, I'm so grateful that you spend your time listening to this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, Liz, for giving up some of your Monday morning in the UK. I'm so grateful to have the conversation. It's lovely to be able to chat across the globe. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Bye-bye.